Hello. Let's talk about simplifying things. I noticed today <laughs> um, my son John was just lost in the um, oblivion of too many devices. You know, they play a game and all the game sounds are going. And then if there's anything else going on in the room, like somebody else's vacuum cleaner or my voice too loud or too bossy and I hear myself yelling and repeating. Anyway, too much, too many words, right? Too many sound waves. Um, and uh, anyway, he's lost in it. So I found myself walking over to him, just gently guiding him by the shoulders, <laughs> steering him where I needed him to go. And I'm, I think more than once I might have whispered quietly in his ear, but it had to be a change-up pitch. It had to be something different than the same constant drone of all the channels coming in at all the same volumes. Because remember, some of our kids with the uh, um, uh, ADHD symptoms of um, uh, neural pathway confusion, I know these, these are big fancy words, forgive me for that, but it's basically executive functioning shortfalls where all the data is coming in at the same fire hose strength and they're not able to regulate, turn this one down, turn that one up, that's important. This next one, not, not, not important, down, 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 softer, softer. So they, with, without having those kinds of skills in the brain, then everything's just coming at them like a fire hose, right? So one of the things I noticed today reminded me of this need to simplify. Uh, as I mentioned before, we are in the time right now in uh, May of 2020 where our kids, because of COVID-19, they're not going into school and they're getting all of their instructional design and their um, uh, gen ed and their even specialized instruction, all their school stuff, right? All their school academic kind of stuff is coming at them mostly on paper or digital. And they just don't have that nice kid give and take, give and take. So um, they're just overwhelmed by digital. It's kind of like, you know, if you're, if you, when you go walking on the beach, it feels so good because you're actually finally grounding out all those EMF forces, the electromagnetic forces that have accumulated in that sponge you walk around with, that body you have. Um, and so when you walk on Mother Earth, either in the water on the beach or in the grass, you feel so good about it. Well, some of that might be, it just feels good on the soles of your feet, but there's a bigger picture going on of, of just the tingling static electricity, per se, that's all built up within your body. It's grounding out. And so in a way that's similar to what we're, I'm trying to show you in this first picture where I say is a magic. No, it's not. It's neurology. So what we have here are two examples of, 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 a, of an axon in the brain or a neural pathway, right? Neural brain. So a pathway of electricity or maybe chemical, depending on how you want to look at it, uh, of data transfer in the brain. And there's a bazillion, a bazillion of these guys going on in your kid's you know, cent uh, central processing unit, the brain, the spinal column all of the nervous systems that overlay on top of each other. So you, your, your kid's just a walk-in freeway system, right? So the, if just imagine how their, their mind must be with all of the uh, school stuff delivered in Zoom and online, and then plain electronics and everything else that they just 
coming at them, mom's voice too loud, the nagging that they hear, the other ambient noises, siblings or other people if it's nearby. So that's that bottom half there where you've got like 400 different choices of any particular behavior or processing of that in information. So instead, by simplifying today, shut up, mom. You can hear yourself nagging when you finally realize that and you're trying to come over on top of all of the sound waves to be bigger than that, he's just tuning out. And so what I did was walk over. I tried to do that top piece where it's just more of a consistent, straight, predictable. And so I just grabbed him by the shoulders and steered him over to where I needed him to go. All right. I might gently take the, the device out of his hand. I might gently whisper in his ear what I want him to hear. But all of this changing how the, it has to be a change up pitch in the brain. The brain's seeking that. Now, if your kid needs breaks and it's on the list for John, it's outside. Go outside. Walk the dog. Walk the neighbor's dog. Uh, get on your bike, go on your scooter, just plain old walk, hit the grass pathways, something outside in Mother Nature with the midline crossover, um, getting a chance to move your gross motor muscles. He, he's always renegotiating. He wants to play YouTube. Well, I guess so. I mean, we parents zombie scroll, right? I mean, more than one night I have found myself at 2 a.m. zombie scrolling on Facebook and I'm thinking... What's the matter with you, girl? So our kids are no less uh, what uh, vulnerable to the addictiveness of all of these. You know, people are programming all this stuff on us, right? Subliminal messages everywhere, the fear of missing out, um, although COVID is supposed to be helping us slow down on all of that. Okay, so anyway, um, too many electronics, too much of the same kind of just a, a frenzied processing in the brain. So fewer words, gentle actions. Let's, um, let's click on to the next picture. Oh yeah, remember this one? Um, you can get, what, kill more flies, get more flies? Maybe we don't want to talk about killing. You can capture more flies with honey than you can with, right? So I need to watch my tone of voice. Not only do I need to make it sound like honey instead of, vinegar, but I also am trying to model for John, you know, in all of his social interactions, ever more of sentence and ever more trying to catch up with his peers who are very verbal. We will practice the sentence, sometimes in front of the peers if we have to, and they understand we're just trying to get rehearsal time. Um, the, uh, <laughs> the way I try to explain it to, to John is, it has to sound like a song. So if he's coming out with a, if it sounds like automatron or robotic or angry or too fast or too loud or anything to shut mom up and get her off my back, I say, oh no, 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 we gotta try this again. Nope, no, not good enough. Try this again. It has to sound like a song. So we practiced that today on how we would interact with the kids. All right, let's go on to the next picture here. And again, just a few quick um, cliches. Uh, here's one that I, I think is, I, this is fabulous. It's so hard to do, so simple to say, so hard to do. You want to just water the flowers. 
you don't want to water the weeds. So all those times that you find yourself, that I find myself nagging and repeating and, and thinking he's not, he, I'm obviously he didn't get it the first 300 times I said it or the first 300 times he did it. So he, oh yeah, I got to nag him one more time because that 301st time, oh yeah, that's the one that'll get in there. So I'm going to share a little bit later on a story about vacuuming. And I saw it today where sometimes the best thing I can do is, sometimes the flowers aren't in the room Sometimes mom's got to just back up, remove all the prompts, go wander away somewhere else, find some flowers somewhere else, remove yourself from the situation, and he'll water his own flowers. I saw that today. Because he wants evermore, just like your kiddos want evermore, to be independent. Their brains are wired by Mother Nature to want to break away from your umbrella and become their own independent person. So if your kid's rebelling, well, duh, that's exactly what they're supposed to be doing. The books, the series, The Five Love Languages, the primary difference between love languages of kids and the five love languages of teenagers is exactly what I said, that it, they will do a 180 on you on that predictable love language of the childhood because now their brain's trying to separate themselves from you. Even if they have to kind of hate you for a while, they have to break free. And the stronger that orbital pull is, the harder they have to push to break free of you and to become their own person. So as an example, years ago, my Saxton told me, he said, Mom, the reason I'm leaving Texas and going to Oregon for college, instead of playing it safe, he said, I'm afraid that I'll just always take the easy way out and I'll never break free. So I got to go to Oregon. And that's an ex you know, a, a more of an adult example, but um, yeah, our kids have to. Okay, so the whole thing about water and the flowers is that sometimes I need to hand that water and can to him. And I need to just get my butt out of the room, go somewhere else. He, because then he gets to step in and water his own flowers. Okay, I'll, I'll show you the example when we get to the vacuuming a little bit later on. The one on the bottom, uh, lower half says, first you name it and then you put the limit on it. Now, just a quick uh, run through that one is, so you, you name it, you label it, you say what it is, you speak the truth. So the kid understands this is transparent. We're not trying to lie to each other. We're telling the truth. And then you put whatever boundary on it it is, right? So the more straightforward, non-emotional, business-like you can be with kids, it comes across as more respectful. There's been some kid drama that um, I've been working through and helping other parents and helping the kids. And so whenever there needed to be a conversation, I would take that child one-on-one -on -one, in private out in the middle of the yard so, you know, it was no, no problem about in a, in a dark corner, but um, we would just, I would say the truth, and then we would say what we had to do about it next time. And there was no shame. I wasn't trying to shame anybody, but, it, you know, kids can handle the truth. They really can. So just be honest with them, and uh, we don't want to be codependent with our children. We do not want to pour that on them. Okay, now the next thing I wanted to share as far as simplicity tools. So the first, right, is we got to watch our words. Sometimes a gentle touch. Sometimes a gentle whisper. Or a gentle guidance by the shoulders. Um, uh, and remember that they're not, their bandwidth is limited, okay? So if you're trying to, to <laughs> add to the bandwidth, we know from 
people's research that the brain can only process, like a computer, can only process um, less than two full voices at a time. So if they're already loaded up with a bunch of sensory stuff and the, the addiction of the electronics and thoughts of whatever and sensory overwhelmness and stemming and you name it, baby, they are not going to magically hear that mother, parent, father, guardian, caregiver voice of so much truth. If they would just hear me and do what I tell them, damn it, then everything would be fine. They just don't hear us, okay? So take that watering, or leave the water, just set the watering can down. Walk away. Let them pick it up. Hand it to them, you know, in a metaphor, in a metaphorical way, and let them water their own flowers. Okay, so now the list. We're looking here at the list. Um, we do this daily. We prepare the night previous. It doesn't really work as effectively if we wait and I try to get his attention in the morning because if I'm distracted for something, then before you know it, blink, and, and he's been on the electronics for two hours. We're trying to build habits of get your work done first, get the jobs done first, and then you can play. So we're mm, close to 14. And right now I, I tell him I cannot trust him on his electronics, but I do not always hide them. He has to really push me into a corner and over the cliff before I hide them because I tell him I need you I need to trust you I leave walk plug him in charge him up walk away no come on walk away walk drop it walk away you don't want to lose it leave it walk away that's my conversation with him right just to say just to share that so um I want him to have the self-discipline, the self-regulation, the self-control to know, okay, over there in that charging basket or the corner, wherever all that electrical heaven is, that's not where I get to play right now. I need to go to the list. And also the less mom nags about the list, the better, because the more I zip it, he'll water his own flowers with the list. We've been practicing this forever. I've written a number of, of uh, blog posts about it, so you can go back and search for that kind of stuff. So this is our typical Monday of um, things we had to do, what he had to mark off, how he might prioritize something. And then I'll put my list over on the left-hand side because sometimes it has to mesh with his, the way our lives are right now with everything being homeschooled. The next picture is a post from, oh, oh my goodness, five years ago. Uh, when Rosemary Slade was helping me, <laughs> we started off with the um, white erasure board, you know, the white, uh, um, the, 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 those markers that you would write on the white board, erasable markers. Oh, and didn't John think that was just so funny to go ahead and just wipe it all off as soon as we wrote it. So we quickly came to the conclusion that, you know, good old, pa good old paper, that's what we're going to do. And if he, if he won't write it, then I'll write it. But if he wants to add anything, any extra goodies, I tell him, add it at the bottom of the list. So the list is not always exactly chronological in following it. Sometimes it depends on the time available. Uh, I'll put the time of day on it if it's a time-specific thing. Other than that, I'm trying to get him to figure out how to packet it in, right, to parcel out his time, to pay attention to his clock, what's coming up next, how many minutes do I have, I got, do I have time to walk the dog, yes, take my watch, okay, set a timer, good, got the, got something with me so I can be back on time, um, we're really making a full court press on that, so back to this, so five years ago, uh, thank you Rosemary Slade, we came to the conclusion together that it's paper, baby, 
and it can be pencil or marker or crayon. Now, Tina, uh, Dr. Tina says that, not marker, she said it takes no particular pressure to write with a marker. So she's for pencils and crayons, and that's fine. Um, the uh, uh, I can feel that myself when I'm writing. So the pencil is great because then he can erase if he wants to. Uh, we try to work on really good penmanship, although his dysgraphia is really <laughs> um, not. It's a challenge, definitely. And, and he knows he doesn't spell right. And so he gives me the con job really quickly each time. You write it, Mom. So I, I try to have enough time so that he writes it more often than me. But you're going to see my writing in that previous slide. So guilty. But anyway, there we go in the post. You can read that if you wish. Um, uh, we try to reduce the stemming. Or we try to reduce the rep repetition. Here's something I do, again, using humor. So he's on a rant about croissants. He just loves the croissants. Well, as far as self-regulation, he, he doesn't have a weight problem. So there's no problem. That isn't the issue, but it's that chomping down on all those carbohydrates. Yes, I'm sure butter croissants are wonderful. And he'll go through, he'll chow down on half the box. I look at it and it's like, wait a minute, buddy, you just ate six. How do you get away with that? And um, so then he's always ranting to me about wanting more croissants from the store. I make him text me anything that he wants from groceries. And um, anyway, it's just, uh, I, I just, and, or he'll have to write them on the bottom of the list or something like that. So that's the whole point of, of his list, of his paying attention to what he's writing down, of his time of day. Again, not my job. My job is to write it ahead of time. Yes, the day, not the night before. In the morning, zip it, mom. If he, whatever he says, he wants to do YouTube or, you know, anything that's not on it, I just point. Well, I do that if I'm with it. If I'm being naggy, I'll use my language and then we're right back in the slippery slope of, oops, I just went from intrinsic to extrinsic motivation, dadgummit. I need to, I just need to, I got to watch myself. I'll just point or I'll say, How's that list working for you? Um, I was starting to say something and then I got lost, but I just remember what it was. So if he's caught in a repetitive stem of back on the croissants, sorry about that. So he's bugging me, bugging me, bugging me. And what I'll do is then I'll just do a 180 on him and I'll come with a big incredulous look on my face. <gasps> John, do you want me to buy some croissants for you? And he gets a huge grin on his face and he goes, yeah, yeah. I said, and then I say, well, why don't you tell me this? And he's starting to laugh because he knows he's just been nagging and nagging and stemming and nagging and nagging and he thinks it's funny. So I'll just play dumb and I'll go, oh man, why didn't you tell me you wanted croissants? Man, I could have gotten them for you. So then we've turned a nagging, uh, volatile situation into just humor and laughing. And then he, he it's kind of like he's watering his own flowers, if I can overuse this metaphor, to... Um, He's laughing at himself. He knows he knows what he's been doing, you know. I mean, he's very clever. Our kids are very clever to get our attention and to over-engage us. And then we over, we get the away from the simplification. It's the opposite of the, of the simple list. How many, how many negotiations have you lost with your, with your nonverbal children? They're very clever. Okay, speaking of simplification of behavior redirects, look at the one, the next two pictures are John Planking. I've talked about this before. <laughs> um, and to simplify this process, so let's say he's doing anything to get mom's attention, right? 
I can get frustrated. I can go in and I can say the same thing for the 302nd time. Will it change anything? Nope. But you know what does? I have a little pad of paper and I have just, I just go over with a pencil or a pen and I'll just make one tick mark. You know, like you make those one, two, three, four, and then a diagonal. One, two, three, four. I'll just, if I, I might write plank across the top of the, the piece of paper or I'll just make a one, just a one tick mark. And he already knows from our past experience that means one minute of planking. And usually it really gets his attention. If we're in a different situation where I might I might say, if, instead of the ABA, do you want this or that? Instead of me trying to redirect him in other ways, I just say, well, you can do hard way or easy way. Or I might say, well, do you want to get on your list or do you want to plank? And he very quickly will not pick plank. <laughs> when he does, so let's say he's racked up three or four minutes. All I've done is if he continues with the, the behavior that I don't want him to have, I'll just walk over, make another tick mark, make another tick mark. Not that quickly in, in succession. I would just spread them out. I'm giving them a chance to try to self-regulate, right? I'm always trying to give him a chance to self-regulate. So when he gets all done with whatever his Zoom class is or the therapy session, and now we're looking at four minutes of planking, I'll get down there with him because, well, mom's a little bit fluffy these days too. They call it the quarantine 15. <laughs> so I let him have the timer. I've been the Gestapo before, but that's not nearly as effective as this. So I set the timer on my, my phone or his phone. And I say, okay, you can't cheat. You got to get the proper form. When you need to take a break, just pause. Just touch pause. I'll, tell me, I'll take a break. And then when you're ready to be back at proper form, say resume. So we're using his phone, pause, resume, pause, resume, just like the, the phone would be using it or his watch if he prefers. But um, I'm making him in charge of the time. Another way I might do it is for each minute, I'll say count backward from 100. But he can cheat on the numbers, whereas you can't cheat on the clock. And you can't cheat if mom's right there with you. You know, mom's getting fit, baby. You know, hard body coming. So, um, but the planking is awesome. And I just, the minimal amount of reminding him, just a tick mark on that piece of paper. He knows what that means. It's often enough to get his attention. Okay, now let's talk briefly about uh, a simplification of something today. Typical chores. Also tying in that thing about letting him be in charge of his prompts. Letting him be in charge of watering his own flowers. Mom backing off staying away. So in my Facebook posts, I've been sharing our Sunday uh, adventures of vacuuming and then winding the cord back on the machine. So from a motor planning standpoint, it's, it's embarrassing. I can't believe that John has so much difficulty oh, with, and, and, and these rugs we have have stripes and patterns and especially the other one, not this one, but the one I'm going to show you, the green one. See the other slide that's got the green uh, bars and, and brown, mostly green and brown. Uh, but right now I'm talking about the light tan uh, carpet. So I just, I love these carpets. And, um, uh, but motor planning for him to vacuum them, it's like unbelievably difficult. So we would, uh, the first two or three sand days, I did hand over hand. And each time I tried to fade my prompt. Now this little vacuum cleaner, there's a handle on the top of the canister. So I can actually reach it 
and kind of steer like a like a co-driver seat. You know, if you're in the old days when they you were sitting on the driver's side and you could grab another little steering wheel and help. I try not to do hand over hand where his hands are up at the top of the vacuum. And I try not to interfere with his direction of that long wand, you know, the, the driving of the cart. I try to do the least amount. And sometimes I'll just kind of bump it over with my foot. And when we would practice on the green one, I would have him try to go up and back, then move it over, up and back, then move it over. Because he was just randomly vacuuming and he would just suck all the hair off of one and then I'd have a bald spot in the carpet, you know, because like, oh, I can't motor plan my way out of this one, Mom. And then the next stage of learning was how you can kind of diagonal, right? So you're going up and back and then you kind of ooch it over. Now you're, you've diagonally got to the next uh, swath instead of lifting it up and placing it down and then going back and forth. So this is the third or fourth week. And he took the initiative to get the vacuum cleaner, unwind it, plug it in, start on the, the, uh, this, this, first one that we're seeing, the tan one. And he he uh, he did the edge first. I didn't realize until he was halfway through it that instead of trying to do it up and down like the stripes of the other one, he his eye picked out a different pattern here. So he was doing the edge that's got the curvy lines, and then he was doing the one, the, the other inner, the border that's got the swirls, and then he was going to do the polka dot rectangle in the center. And it took me a while to get on it because I'm, I was not, not going simplified. I was going the same thing as what I were going through before. I was watching him to, to, because he might not do it right. Instead of what might he be doing to, to innovate or how does his brain process these patterns and the, the, the motor planning of the, the vacuum and the pressure of you know, they uh, trying to move it up and down. And you're going to get a different feel depending on the, the, um, the uh, what do you call it, when it, um, the nap, the nap of the, the rug, right? Depending on how the, if they're, you're going with the grain or against the grain or with those curvy things. So you're going to have a lot more friction. Okay, so anyway, time goes by and I'm watching him and I realize, oh, mom, you got to zip it. You got to back off because he's he gets it. He's trying. He really wants to do this himself. All right, now look at the one that's got the green stripes. This is the last picture we're going to use tonight. So his he's got a lovely little village of kids. Um, we have one a person staying with us right now. And then these boys are just kids in the neighborhood. We have accepted the risks from the COVID-19 thing. Um... Uh, we've all been careful. And so John was halfway through this green rug when the, the kids knocked on the door. So here they are. They come and they sit down and they're watching him. Now, I'm watching. They're watching him, but they're kind of talking amongst themselves. I'm watching him watch them. And he, his posture changed. He lifted himself up. I could see that look on his face. We all know the looks on our kids' face, right? When all of a sudden it, their brain's processing in an entirely different way. He goes from, I'm just trying to do this, mom, okay? So by myself, by myself, go away, leave me alone, to he switches into, oh, I'm going to show off for my friends. I'm old steadily whiplash here working on the vacuum cleaner and they're sitting around watching me. Everybody in the room is watching John vacuum all by himself. And his body position, his posture changes. He's he's on the stripe. He's moving back and forth and back and forth. And I ask those kids I just act like, oh, yeah, we do this all the time. I don't let him out of it. I don't say, oh, you can stop. It's okay. Go play. 
I just shut up and let him carry on. He's got work to do. They're his chores. Let him finish that. He's been lollygagging. Shauna's done her part of, of the chores, and we're waiting on John. He's the caboose. So the, I say to the kids, do you guys have to do chores at your house? And the two boys said, yeah. And they talked about which ones that they did. And John's listening and watching. At the same time, he's on stage. He knows that. So I say to the kids, lift your feet up. <laughs> and they lift their feet up. And John just vacuums underneath their feet like, hey, yeah, we do this every day. But it was, um, it was so exciting to see him make two major jumps forward. The first was... Oh, 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 I forgot to tell you the best part. Then when he was done, when he capitulated, he said to his head, his own head, I'm done vacuuming. I'm going to turn it off. And of course, I did not say, oh, you got to do it better. You missed a spot. I didn't say anything like that. I'm, I got to, you know, I stuffed a towel in my mouth. Okay. So I'm watching him and the kids continue to talk. He tilts the vacuum cleaner up so it's stationary, goes over to the wall, unplugs it, brings it over, and starts to wrap the electrical cord on the two hingamajiggy things that you got to wrap it on. Now, he hates this part. It's, I, I posted like five minutes of video from last Sunday on Facebook on this post of major motor planning. What's the tension? How do I not have it drop off? Which end do I start with? What do I do with the plug? How does it catch? What's, I don't know what to do with this cord. I'm kind of like putting it around my waist and pretending like I'm tying a belt. I, he doesn't know what to do with the cord. And you'd think he would know by now, but that's the massive motor planning, executive functioning, midline crossover challenges that our kids have. But here's this kid sitting on the floor in front of his peers, who he's obviously trying to impress. He knows they're sitting waiting on him because they're going to go off and ride bikes together. He volunteers to wrap the cord around. He gets about two-thirds of it done, and then he kind of just, I can tell he's like, all right, Mom, I'm kind of done here. <laughs> and so I do say, that's awesome, John. If you want to just leave it here and we'll finish later, that's great. Now, Shauna then goes ahead and puts it all away, bless her heart. But the amazing thing was, as I saw him go in the space of the last time he practiced with mom, and it was a major hand over hand, arm wrestling kind of a thing. The next time he chooses, he does it by myself, go away, mom. He, you add the neurotypical peers, so that's like curricular least restrictive, right? Curricular LRE. And now he's rising to the occasion, and he volunteers for, for more work of wrapping the cord on. You see, I need to tell the teachers about this. This is why we want our kids to have curricular least restrictive environment at school. We want those neurotypical kids, peers, if our kids are intrinsically motivated by that attention. Now, know what your kid's motivated by. So when you talk to your school and you do your parent presentation and, and you, t you clarify your ARD, make sure they know what your, maybe they already do know, but tell them your parental perspective. What is my kid motivated by? All along, I've told the school he is in, intensely, intrinsically uh, motivated by showing off for those kids. And if they were little girls, oh boy, you know, they would be even more so um, <laughs> effective. Uh, but he'll show off for boys because he just wants to match them. And, and from a behavioral inappropriateness, developmental delay, he, he's trying, right? He's really trying to catch up. So then he puts his shoes on. And so I take the three kids out on the front 
porch out on the other side of the door. And I, and I started to explain to them about the anaphylactic reaction to fire ants because they're watching him do this stuff. And, and um, two of them know him very well and the other boy is fairly new. So pretty soon John comes out on the porch and instead of hushing up and, oh, sorry, John, you can't stand here and listen to us. I said, well, John, I'm just telling them about the fire ants. You're very welcome to stay here with us. So again, we're, we're transparent. You name what it is and then the boundary, you can join us. That's fine. This is what we're talking about, the fire ants. I didn't try to sugarcoat it or hide it or make it something different or dumb it down for him or make him feel shamed or stupid. I just said, this is what we're talking about. And yeah, we're standing right here. You can join us. So I explained to them what happened to him when he was less than two years old. Uh, I tried to really get on a kid level and explain at a kid level what's an anaphylactic reaction when a kid almost dies twice and the body stops growing this way and then you're, you're back after a regression of six months and then you get going in the correct direction. Now the pack is ahead of you, right? So how, how, does, that, how does that work? And so I explained to them that it's kind of like big brothers, you guys are big brothers, big sisters right now to John. It wasn't his choice. It wasn't his fault that he almost died. But he's trying to catch up. And when you all teach him and show him and um, uh, uh, help direct him, he wants to. He, you are his best teachers. And um, he, uh, he's really making the effort. And they, and they get that. All these, they, they really do understand. So that's a little bit of an elaborate story, but I tried to make it much simpler with them. I'm just kind of getting pumped up here with you guys. So many a time when there's been something going on that, that John's behavior looks different, instead of them carrying away an, an odd understanding of it, I'll show them in a very short, easy, simple story. Um, how do I explain lack of expressive speech or uh, uh, speech delay? I tell him, okay, Tom, uh, John's tongue does not work as well as yours. Okay, so you stick your tongue out, grab it. Okay, now, try to talk. Okay, so I say that it's hard for the tongue to talk. So as they are trying to talk while their tongue is, or they're holding their own tongue, then I let go of mine and I say, that's kind of how it works. And they go, oh, his tongue just doesn't work as well as ours. And then I wanted them to understand why um, he might act younger. Well, that's the whole thing of developmental delay. But if our peers can, ex can appreciate and accept our kids of developmental delay and still hang with them and still go riding bikes together and go swimming and do stuff together, they accept it because they understand it. This is why it happened. Or it's just like, okay, you're just not growing as fast. So it's kind of like you're a big brother. And instead of saying it like, he's just younger than you, I turned it around and I gave them a mission, a purpose. I said, it's kind of like you guys are big brothers, big sisters, helping him learn. And they go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if I helped you. I hope so. Uh, just some ideas of simplifying explanations, using peers more, backing off on prompts, watching your kid water their own flowers, create their own stories, show you, show their peers what they can do, what they're willing to step into and try, which means we have to back up out of the room. He does his best stuff when I'm not there.
He does his best stuff when he's over at somebody else's house. I hear it. I ask my little spies. He does his best stuff when I don't nag him, when I just say, I just point to the list. I keep on doing my work. I don't get frustrated. It's a beautiful symbiotic relationship that way. Okay, I'm going too long. I apologize. <laughs> but some ideas on simplifying. Um, I hope you have peace today. All right. Thank you for your time.